Psalms. Psalms. Chapter 11. And then we're going to turn also to the book of Ezra, chapter 3. The size of the speaker is irrelevant. The age of the speaker is irrelevant. God talks through a donkey. He can talk through me. If God feed a man, amen, through a raven, he can feed through me also and feed through you. God is not handicapped by our availability or lack thereof. God still operates. But first one it reads, Psalms 11 and verse 3. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now we're going to turn to Ezra chapter 3. And I wish to God you'd read all chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you would, but not now. But verse 11 says, Here's Israel building our second temple before Christ came. This temple was needful that Christ may come and be in it three to four hundred years later. And they sang together by course, verse 11, in the praising and giving of thanks unto the Lord, because he's good for his mercy endured forever towards Israel. All the people shouted with great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers, who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid, before their eyes wept with a loud voice, and with many shouted and many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of the joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Notice, there was praise and worship, but to the outsider it was a noise. But to God it was praise and worship. Before you knock the music, find out what's in that music. Find out what's behind the player, why he's dancing to that music. Let us pray one more time. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, nothing in the bread and the loaves and the fishes were wasted. They were all gathered back into baskets. Out of one hand came twelve baskets full. Lord, you said even the remnant should be used in the last day. You build a church on what left and remain. And Lord, we are alive and remain in the faith this morning tonight. And we shall lift you up high and high and lift it up. Be thou lifted up, O God. Take us to the twigs and the turns, God. And we give you all the praise tonight. In the majestic name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Now I want to talk to you about the positive influence of fathers. This morning... As we looked at Father's Day, it was in my mind 
all week and this week that Abraham is more than just a man. Abraham has come a long ways from the time God called him, from the time God has wrote about him. Amen. And so, this scripture here is calling for us to pay attention to a foundation. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, if you don't understand building construction, this Bible reference don't mean a thing to you. The foundation is not something that you see. Lots of money goes into the foundation. I worked before in uh, geotechnical engineering. And we don't put a foundation with first, without first drilling down. We drill through the strata of the earth. And we come through many, many soil types. But we know by experience you can't build on just any soil type. Well, you may build... But you just wasted your money because the earth is going to shift on you. There are also elements below that earth that will cause real damage. And before long, that foundation is going to fail you. We've had time when foundation failed, and my doctor boss would send for a core sample. And he would dig a core sample in the foundation and the foundation uh, materials. And then we do a back analysis on. We do a backtracking on the analysis. What it was made of. And somebody made a choice to lay that foundation. And I know for a fact at, at first building, the building was beautiful. Nice to look at. But before long, the longevity of your building will not be determined by the wall. Or by the roofs. Or by the pillars. But it will be determined by the foundation. Where it sits, determine how long it lasts. And so the Bible is calling you builders and you foundation uh, people understand what I'm talking about. That if the foundation be shifted and moved or be destroyed, everything on top is going to collapse. And Paul says, other foundation can no man lay than that which is already laid by the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself cornerstone. I received a letter some time back. Someone was trying to find me back from Nigeria. We went to so many places to teach and preach. I can't name all of them, but there are so many. And uh, we we, we gave up books and books and literature just to show people the right way to live for God. Because we know missionaries went there and distort the truth and told them false teachings on how to be saved. And they believed it because they were hungry for it. But when we opened the Word of God, nothing by the Word of God, and we showed them line upon line, precept upon precept, they were hungry enough to accept the Word as written. Even though it was, you know, it, it dissect what they believe and tore down what they believe and had to replace it like Apostle Paul, then it cut all things lost to submit and then to go home and rebaptize their people right in the name of Jesus. That took a lot of gusto to do that. But they did. 
They did it because they wanted truth. They were not interested in religion. They wanted truth. And so they did it. Now, so when we're teaching, I challenge, they're all pastors. It's all they're a pastor. We didn't want their congregation, we wanted their pastors only. I said, now, do you believe me above the apostles? They said, no. I said, do you believe in the scientists, both the apostles? They said, no. And we go through the whole list of who they believe. I said, do you believe in your pastor more than the apostle? They said, no. I said, then explain to me why there is a contradiction between your experience and your knowledge and the apostles' teaching and the apostles' position. Why have you accepted what's not in the Bible? Friend, they were just lost for words. Now, I said, now, if you believe the apostles are correct, then I want to ask you a question. Did they disobey Jesus? Now, if you want to say the apostles disobeyed Jesus, friend, you're stepping out on a limb. I said, Jesus did not write any scripture. The only time he wrote on earth was when he wrote in the sand. And the rain of long since washed it away. And you can't go back to find nothing that Jesus wrote. But we have the sayings of Jesus, captured by the apostles, written in black and white ink. It's in your Bible, how readest thou? And when the apostles said, Other foundation can no man lay than that which is already laid, he's saying we are the successor to Jesus Christ. And we wrote what he said. And God confirming the words with signs following. And so Paul said, Other foundation can no man lay than that which is already laid, Jesus Christ himself. The chief corner stone. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ, the chief corner stone. What he's saying here is, it's already laid. And any man who builds anything on top of this, be careful how he builds. Now, what do you say here? I want you to know, you are no reformers, or no evangelist, or no preacher, or no pope, or nobody at all can come with something new. Jesus says, the apostles built upon the rock, and that rock is Christ Jesus. Any other reformer, you're building on the sand. And that sand is shifting. And when the storm of life comes in Revelation, it's going to fall flat. Because the foundation is not on the rock. Now, here's the psalmist saying, if the foundation, so let's put it in perspective. If the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself, the chief cut of stone, be obliterated, if it's off the scene in year 24, 2017 or 2014, it's no longer here or any time in history. If it be destroyed, how can that building hope to stand the test that's coming upon our world? Amen. How? If it be destroyed, in other words, if the influence of the apostles are taken from us, and the Word of God is absent, it's like having a famine. 
where there's a drought and there is no crop. It's like in Egypt when money failed, people were in destitution. And so, even your institution can't help you when destitution takes over. And so the Bible says, if it be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I want to look at this here. In the book of Ezra, let's put it more in, in picture form. On my left, as a speaker, on my left, are the people that saw Solomon's temple erected. On my right, they see the temple of Ezra, the second temple, being built. But they're not the same. When the first one was built, and Solomon finished the work, the glory, the Shekinah, was so powerful and compelling that no human being could enter in that temple and do any ministerial work. It was a big, uh, just fanfare. It was just outstanding like Israel have never seen before. Now, several years later, over here on this other side in time, after the dispersion, they returned, they built another temple to replace the one that was burnt down by Iraq, Babylon. When they built, Sandalus and Tobias fought against it. Did not want it to go up, but they prevailed. And they built it. And even though they built it, and the, it was late, the foundation established, the Bible said, two group of people watch it happen. Those old timers, from way back in the days of Solomon, those who survived the Holocaust of their day, and were allowed to live to see the latter years, they were alive and remained the remnant of the past, and they saw the new temple. So they know the two. They have a comparison. And they begin not to worship, but weep. They were weeping over what they're looking at, knowing that this second temple did not have the glory that the first one had. And they knew that this was the second one was of God. But it didn't have the same prominence of God. Even though it was in the will of God. It was not inferior to the first. And this other generation that came up, hear me now, on my right, because on my left was the first generation, on my second is the last generation, and they saw the temple built, and the Bible said, they did not weep, but they were crying, they were laughing. They were having a Pentecostal, put it this way, revival. They were shouting. They were excited. They were carrying on. Wow, look at this. This is awesome. And they're jumping and hooplawing and carrying on. And while they're shouting and praising God, they got their hands and foot stomping. The other one was just weeping. Two different approaches to the same event. What was the difference? The old timers have seen both ways. The newcomers 
did not see the old ways. They heard about it, but never saw it. Lift your hands right now and worship God. Come on, folks. Let's overcome the sleep and the slumber right now. Let's worship God right now. All right? Amen. Let's worship God. Come on. Worship God. Amen. The glory of God in this place. I want you to notice the difference, folks. The old timers were weeping and crying. The newcomers are shouting and having praise and carrying on. Let me put it this way. People who visit our church have said, Man, you guys sing those old songs. And if I call for one of those old songs to be played, the musician can't play it. The congregation can't sing it. They don't know the song. Never heard of it. But if I play these new ones that may not even be scripturally correct or theologically sound, they're shouting, they're hoopawing, they're sweating. And they came on, and while they're hoop lying, I'm crying. Oh God! Oh God! If I could hear that song one more time, I see a crimson stream of blood. But see, I, I belong over here. Hello? But they sing over here. Whatever they want to sing, nothing about his name. Don't you mention his name, or his blood, or his fame? And there, there's things. What is the difference? A difference was foundation. What was the difference? Foundation. The first one was destroyed. Another one came up. I'm going to tell you right now, Pentecost in Acts 2 is not the same as Pentecost today. If any of us were around the day of Pentecost, we would say it's not the same. In the, old, in, the, in, the, in the Pentecost beginning, it said, "Look, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus." Miracle, sign, the wonders happen in our new generation. Silver and gold I have. But such as I don't have, I can't give to you. No miracles. No signs. No wonders. For we're who What a great song. Over here, what a great sermon. Over here, what a great song. And the descent of the Holy Ghost was not the same. Was not the same. One is crying because of the inferiority of what they're looking at. And one was shouting because they look on greatness. What a difference of opinion. What a difference of opinion. I can even tell this church right now, in 1980, I see a greater work of God across the street than I see right now in this church. I see more laid back people, wealthy and looked after, but I was across the road. Hey, many who couldn't read, they were drunk, but they were drug addicts, and they come in there and they got a whole, it's like that. There's a difference. I know it's that difference. Now, folks, but I'm talking to you about the foundation. What was the difference? Look at it. Two different generations of worship. One is praising God and one is weeping. And together, we have a division of worship here and it sounds like a big old noise. 
But I want you to, to know, God had to show up and encourage those in this latter end. He said, though the former house was greater, yet the latter house shall be much greater, not because of who laid the foundation. What he's saying here, there's coming a day when Jesus Christ would come in this second temple and His glory would eclipse what happened in the days of Solomon. When Jesus come and walk in that temple and pick up that book, the glory going to be greater than the one they had in the days of Ezra. Because now you got the real thing. Not just God. Amen. We saw but God in the temple. He dignified the house. Now, why am I saying this here? Fathers are very important to us. Most kids never hear their dad says, I love you. Most dads can't say that because they've never been loved before in their life. They don't know what love is. And so they grew up and they have a stern face. Kids never see their father show their emotions. Amen? Fathers are not very transparent with their kids. No matter how they're hurt, they can't show it. And some see their fathers as unapproachable. Amen? Some never know the hug of a dad. Some never heard a dad says, Son, daughter, I love you, or squeeze them, or bring them close to them. Many wish they had that, but they're growing all the way up without those things. But they bring that same feeling in the church. And if I preach about God our Father, they say, Well, I don't want God if that's what God is. Because they're equating God to their natural father. And their foundation is their natural father. And if you can't understand your natural father, you sure will understand your spiritual father. Because God made Adam and Eve fathers long before they were even giving birth to anybody. God said they've got to be married. Is that right? And have children. And God speaks of them in a way that was not even yet possible. Because there was no Eve. Hallelujah. But God spoke of them in a way that there should be mom and dad. And so God said the father is the foundation of the home. He is the one that holds the thing up together. Now, I'm going to be positive today about this thing. I can be on the other side. But let's talk about Father's influence. What is an influence? Every child is influenced by their Father's influence. Now, at some point, some may have to reject the influence they've had. And some may even turn around and respect it more than before. Mark Twain said when he got older, he realized his dad was smart. When he was young, his dad was foolish. Until he became a dad, he realized how wise his father was. But it was too late to tell him because he's already gone. And so, it, things change. But your father is your foundation because that's the seed that brought the plant into existence. Without a seed, there can be no plant. Amen. Where there is no plant, there is no offspring. And so the father is important. Now, where there is no successor, there is no success. If you're an Israelite, we wouldn't look too good some of us because we got no kid. We got no successors. And successor was so important to Israel that if I got married to a girl and I died and had no kids, God would make my brother marry my wife to make sure I have a successor. To carry on the inheritance. That's how important God saw the succession plan. 
Alright? And the foundation can have no success if there is no deposit. You plant nothing, you get nothing. I want to give you ten reasons why a father should take care of how he influenced his home. Noah got his blueprint from Enoch. Think about it. I can't talk about Adam because God speaks very derogatory about him. That's the one man disobedient. So Adam is a disobedient man and produced sins on all of us. So we can't look to him because he laid the foundation for rebellion and sin. So we're all sinners today because of the foundation he laid. So it's a crooked laid foundation. But Enoch, Enoch was the man in chapter 5. Enoch gave his sons a print how to walk with God. Before you become a father, ask God for this direction. I want to have a positive influence in my life. That's going to help me lay a foundation upon which my successor, your offspring is your successor. They're going to continue when you're gone. I don't know if you know this, 70 years is a generation. For this present world, I'm going to prophesy and tell you, this is the last generation before Jesus come. In 1948, the clock starts ticking. And in, by the year 2018, Jesus is going to make a decision about our present world. He said, how do you know that? Because he said, this generation shall not pass until they see the coming of the Son of Man. So this is the last generation. Guess what? A foundation has been laid. And guess what? The crop is coming home. Mass killing. Mass murder. All those video games, all those uh, atrocities are happening because that's the fruit of the investment of the soil. In the soil of humanity's mind and heart, we have planted rebellion. And we're seeing anarchy. No respect of authority. Why? It don't just sun happen. It's coming to fruition. And we're seeing that. Now, back to Enoch. Enoch gave to his sons and daughters a print how to walk with God. How to please God. And how to live a life of separation, even though it was popular to become a sons of men. Amen. Enoch did not join the sons of men. Enoch was a son of God. And because of Enoch's influence, Noah received from him, listen to me now, three things. A message, a method, and a mission. How to walk and please God. He said Enoch was not because God took him. God took him, but he left behind a successor that could carry on his belief system. That would continue his revelation of one God and one way to worship God. He was a prophetic ministerial man. I said Enoch walked with God and was not and he had this testimony, but he pleased God. I'm telling you, friend, he impacted Noah. He impacted Methuselah. And what happened? The message was, he was a preacher of righteousness. He gave that message to Noah. And Noah received it. And he gave Noah how to walk with God, how to talk with God. If you are a father, 
you should say, God, teach me how to walk in the footprints of Enoch. I want to be taken. I don't want to be left behind. I want to go. And so he left that message in the son, Noah. And Noah now come to talk to his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Noah had for them to follow a message, a method, and a mission. The method was, God said, righteousness exalt you and will take you from the rain coming. The method was the blueprint that God gave him. He showed his son. Look what God showed him to build. He said to his son, look boys, I got a mission. I got to build me an ark. And here's the blueprint. And here's the message. Get on the ark or be lost. Here's what Noah looked like now. The influence Noah had on Shem, Ham, and Japheth let me know he had a successor to the plan that God gave him. He was so influential, he planted that seed into his family that his sons believed him. His son hanging there with him for 120 years. Those boys would not let go of daddy's teaching, of daddy's reaching and preaching. And they stood with daddy when it was not popular, and they built the ark with him. And when the time came to escape the flood, like grandfather Enoch, amen, they said, let's get on board. Let's get on board. Oh, clap it to the Lord. Amen. Kids need to have a solid foundation that they can look on and build on because they will become a successor of what influenced your lives. Positive influence produce positive succession. Negative influence produce negative influence. Oh, the devil don't like this. I can tell it right now. But it's right anyhow. And if I let me know when the flood was all over, amen, the influence did not die. But the whole idea was to transfer it like a battalion. Amen. You're running in a race, you're going to pass that baton correctly. If you don't, you're disqualified. Hallelujah. And out of Shem, Amen, Abner and Eber came Abraham. Hallelujah. And God changed him to Abraham. And Abram came on the scene and received that mantle and that running rod and said, I'm going to carry on that walk with God by faith. I'm going to live for God. I want to tell you, every chapter has a successor. Every chapter has a possessor. Every chapter has a message, a method, and a mission. You've got to have something for those kids to build on. Hallelujah. Abraham, grab a hold of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Abraham was a continuation of the ministry of Noah. Praise the Lord. And Abraham gave to his sons a walk, some footprints called the walk of faith. He was so impacting that God called him the father of faith. Because of what he does and what he lives and what he believes, I want all the nations of the world to be impacted by this foundation. Amen. I want to take church. Abraham taught his sons how to be a covenant keeper. Hallelujah. And so he produced Isaac as a successor. Every father need a successor to carry on his progenity, 
to carry on his seed, to carry on his message, to carry on his method, to carry on his mission, to carry on his walk, to carry on pleasing God, to carry on the walk of separation, to walk by faith, and to keep a covenant with God that God can say, I am with you and you're with me. Abraham became a friend of God. Amen. Produce Isaac. I was to be the continuation of a succession plan. Isaac gave birth to two sons. Amen. Esau and Jacob. Hallelujah. Esau was a grieve to the hand and the life of his mother and father. Amen. There was no thought in this man Isaac's life. Isaac was known for obedience, submission, and fellowship. His dad could say to him, let's go up on the mountain and sacrifice. Even though he was the sacrifice, he would still submit. He would still obey. No matter what the price. And the question is, would somebody rise to the occasion and live the life of, omission, of obedience and submission and fellowship of the will of God even when it means self-sacrifice above self-preservation. But Isaac learned from Abraham and said, I'm going to go not knowing what's going to happen, but I trust God. Amen. And he passed it on to Jacob. Hallelujah. And so he said, Jacob, I want you to be submissive to God. I want you to follow the leading of God. I want you to go where God leads. I want you to go where God guides. I want you to be submissive on obedience to the plan of God. Why? Because I learned from Daddy Abraham. And Abraham gave to Isaac. And Isaac gave to Jacob. Because there has to be a successor for success to be there. And if we destroy that foundation... Nothing going to stand. Hallelujah. Have you noticed you can't find the history of other nations? Because their foundation collapsed. Amen. But Israel is building on the ruin of other nations. Think about it. And so Jacob came on the scene. He personified obedience. Submission. Fellowship. Where it came from? From Daddy Abraham. When God met him, God said, Hey, Jacob... You know who I am? I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. Will I now become your God? Will you continue the foundation? Will you continue what was handed to you? Will you keep the charge? Would you reproduce what I placed under your progenity? Would you continue it and make it a royal priesthood, a holy nation? Can you do it? And Jacob said, Ah, well, just bless me and see what I'll do. And God gave it to Jacob. Hallelujah. A wrestler. And Jacob became a man that became a man of honor, a man that loved sacred things, that he even lied to get. Jacob refused to live up to his name as a planter. And said, look, I want to get that which is a birthright. Hello? His brother sold the birthright. It would not be a continuance of the, the seed of God. But Jacob said, give me a chance. And I'll take it. And I'll keep it 
and I will prosper it. And God did not prevent him from acquiring it because he bought it. He got it. He, he had his eyes a spiritual thing. He said, Isaac had it, and I need it also. So Jacob become one to be known, a wrestler with God, a prince, a prophet. Amen. One that God could be proud of. And God said, Jacob, what are you going to do with all that I gave you? He said, I'm going to produce it, in, or produce it a guy called Joseph. Four brothers. But one guy said, I will carry the badge of honor. I will carry on the birthright. I will continue what God started. Oh, way back in Brother Enoch, they're all related. Hallelujah. I'm talking about God the Fathers, who's passing on to their seed. And so Joseph became the dreamers of a message and a method and a mission. When he stood before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh didn't know what to do, Joseph said, look, man, I'm a son of message. i got a method, and i got a mission. If you use me, I can show you how to survive. Amen. Because Jacob taught me how to survive in tough times. Amen. And Joseph became the continuance of a foundation that could have been destroyed in Esau. But said, I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to keep it going. Oh, hallelujah. I like when Jesus Christ stood before the Jews and said, Abraham saw my days. And he rejoiced. He said, if you were Abraham kids, you'd have loved me and what I represent. You'd have loved my message, my method, and my mission. But because you're not Abraham's seed, you're not involved in the progenity and the continuation of his royal priesthood. But oh, he rejoiced to see my day. He said, you're not even 50 years old yet. He said, I'm, I am that I am. Now, listen to me now. Joseph became a dreamer. Where he came from? Jacob, the dreamer. Amen. Jacob was a dreamer. And dreamers reproduce dreamers. And so he reproduced a dreamer called Joseph. And Joseph did something that is powerful. When God met Joseph, his father, at Bethlehem, he became a man of integrity. That integrity seed got down into the heart of Jacob. Jacob feared God so much that when God said, What's your name? He didn't say Esau. He told the truth. He said, I am Jacob. So your name no longer will be called that. You'll be called Israel. Because the prince, you have prevailed with God. Now the royalty is showing up now. And that royalty is now being promised to Joseph. Hallelujah. And it says, everybody's going to bow to Joseph. And Joseph says, boy, brethren, I saw this and I saw that. They want to kill him for his dream. But Joseph was a man of integrity. Would that continue? Yes. Because out of Joseph's dream come, amen, a man called Moses. Moses became the Savior that would continue on what Joseph started. And Joseph said, when he comes, tell him, don't leave my bones behind. Come take my bone, and when you go to the promised land, 
take my bow with you. I want to take church. He gave him a charge. Just like Jacob gave Joseph a charge. They're passing on the seed. And so Moses, when he came of age, church, he could have been a Pharaoh. He chose not to. But he became a wise choice. Amen. He said, I'd rather hang around with God's people, forget about Egypt and all this fleshly life, and he received the mantle. And when he received the mantle, he brought Israel out of Egypt. That mantle was passed on to him. Now, church, you have to understand, your entire Bible from Genesis right up to Exodus, amen, is about God passing the mantle of influence to men that he could trust who would carry on the Father's seed and promises. Let's worship the Lord. We need fathers that want to teach their kids how to be a man. <laughs> how to take a stand and not give in to the place of sin for a moment. Hallelujah. Joseph taught Moses, you don't have to give up your integrity to be famous. You could have the I am that I am experience. And the same God who appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph is now appeared to Moses and said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's happening there? They're passing on the succession plan of the revelation. I'm telling you, everybody can't be a Christian. Everybody can't be a oneness person. It takes a revelation. It takes a dedication. It takes a, a, a transmission of the message that was once delivered. One time God delivered the message. You can't reform it. You can't conform it. You can't transform it. It's already established. And now Moses says, What's your name? Those here, he's asking the same question. Is that he asked? Hello, kids. There's a spiritual father who will teach you leadership. And Moses learned to be faithful, like his predecessors, faithful in the house of Pharaoh, faithful in the house of Jethro, and now faithful in his own house. And God said, "Now I know I can trust you with my house." You know, a lot of people want to be a pastor. Hello? Behind the pulpit. But they've never learned to be faithful. In nothing. Every one of these were tested and tried and proven. And proved worthy to carry on the seed. One of the reasons why they have a unit, they don't want a unit to reproduce their mongrel seed among the thoroughbred. Amen. So they work on them surgically to make sure that never will reproduce. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Moses was faithful in all things. And God says he was just like Joseph. Hallelujah. Just like Joseph. Faithful in all things. In all of his house. <laughs> I can trust him. With my presence. I can trust Him with my revelation. I can trust Him as a friend. Hallelujah. And that same friend of Abraham 
became the friend of his great great grandson Moses Let's worship God I'm trying to tell you honey Moses was not the original he's building on the foundation of Joseph Joseph is not the original he's building on the foundation of Jacob Jacob is not the original he's building on Isaac and Isaac is building on Abraham and Abraham is building on Noah. And Noah is building on Enoch. Think about it. Who are you building on? we got these modern day preachers today. They quote everybody but the apostle. They quote these reformers from Rome and Europe. With their paganism and their Romanism. They're calling these men great men. They're not great men. The only great men I know is in the Bible. If you're a great preacher other than the Bible, you're going to wear a flip. I said, Amen! I don't care what his name is. I don't care how many books he wrote. How many languages he speaks. If he's not in this lineup, he's not great. Hallelujah. Praise God. These are my heroes. These are my heroes. Not, <laughs> not Gretzky. That's a football player. Or some hockey star. Amen. My hero is Enoch, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, chosen. And now, Moses. We're going to do this message, Joseph. Moses, I'm going to reproduce what I, what I received. I received something that I passed on. Hallelujah. I am a father of the faithful. Praise God. And so the Bible says, look, there's a young man in this group called Joshua. God looking for somebody he can put his anointing on. Somebody worthy of carrying the mantle. Somebody he can put aim in his mantle on. A vessel he can put his name on. And God said, Jump, Moses, look at Joshua. Encourage him. Because he's going to carry on what you have built. And the Bible says, Joshua, if there's anything else we know about him, he was loyal. We're going to have at Camp Nakamun, or we call it again, Camp Yogi. I'm going to teach you guys a secret you've never learned before. How to be an armor bearer. Hallelujah. Everybody want behind the pulpit. But nobody knows how to serve the pulpit. Halo, you have to be a water boy. If we can be an altar boy. Ooh. It took a long time. Amen, being a water boy, Elisha, before he became an altar boy. But most guys want to be an altar boy and don't want to be a water boy. You'll never prosper. Have an altar. Amen. And God said, Encourage him. And Joshua rose up. Hallelujah. And God said, Joshua, I was with Moses. And I'm going to be with you because you're going to carry on that positive influence. And I want you to take that charge. Read the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Beautiful book. <clears throat> Of a transition. We are in an age of transition, believe it or not. 
The scripture I read in the beginning describe a transition between the early ones and the latter ones. How their response were different. The first one wept because they saw the demise of what they used to have and epitomize. And they saw how the new ones minimize what they lost and glorify what they have. But it was not comparable to what they had before. Amen. Praise the Lord. And now, here is Joshua. Joshua gives the mantle. He's loyal. He's faithful. He keeps all the commandments that those before him. But one mistake he made, church, he never, never, ever let Moses passed on the seed to another person. He said something that's deathly dangerous in our Pentecostal movement. And every man did that was right in their own eyes. That was never the original plan. And our churches are built on that theology. And we're shouting and we're praising but everybody do what they feel like the Corinthian church is doing. Hello. But nobody said, where is the blueprint? Where are the Josiahs? The Jehoshaphat? Come on, where are the Ezekiah? Who said, give me back the faith that was once delivered. I'm trying to tell you, church, the world don't need another false prophet. They don't need another charismatic church. They don't need another theologian. They need somebody with anointing. They need somebody that can declare the Word of God. They need somebody who knows the truth and live the truth and live the charge. That's what they need. They don't need popularity. They need somebody who's plugged into Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You cannot judge a church by the size of the pews. Can't church got accepted based on how much is in the coffer. It's by the seed. God wants a royal seed. The Queen of England will not allow her kids to marry the commoner. God will not allow his church to marry the world. And God said, I'll build my church. I don't care what we do as a church. He's still building his church. No matter what you do. Because he will know the church he's building. Hallelujah. I was telling somebody we can say, well, I know the Lord, but does he know you? Come on, think about it. And as a result, when they stop what they started, they end up with the book of Judges. It's a book of collapse. They only could live as long as the preacher lived. When the preacher died, the faith died. They had preachers' religion. They didn't have a conviction. And so none of them last beyond the preacher's lifestyle. When he died, they died too. That was not how it started, church. It was a continuance. There was no gap. The book of Judges is a book of insult to God. Of God's people losing. Amen. But then God raised up a Samuel. When God couldn't find nobody on the inside, He raised up a Ruth <laughs> Esther. He said, let's try to bring this thing back together. Every church needs somebody who's crying, 
give me the old time faith that was once delivered to the saints. I don't care how packed this church is. If what we have is new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. I'm trying to tell this church we got to go back to the foundation of the fathers. You can't come in some new way to get in. There's one Lord, one faith, one way in. There's no other way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The book I tell you is a sad book. You think Esther and, and, and Samuel was placed there incorrectly? No, my friend. It's a book of transition. And look what happened. When they die, God raised up David. Every church need a David. Nobody thinks you're worth anything. They think all you're good for is the backside of the desert. You never make it on the front stage. Never got heard of. But all the time, God has his eyes on you. God is watching your dedication. God is watching you fighting a lion and saving a sheep. God is watching you, amen, struck with a wolf to save one of God's flock. Amen. And God said, that's a man. I found me a man after my own heart. And David came and taught us how to worship God. Where did David learn that from? He goes all the way back to Enos. For in the days of Enos, men began to what? Called upon the name of the Lord. There's got to be somebody somewhere that God can give a charge. God can plant a seed into them and said, You are my successor. You are the one that I can trust with revelation. You're the one I can trust with a message. You're the one I can leave in your hands a method and a mission. And note that you will not sell it out cheap. And you will not be a hireling. But you will be a soldier. You will be a captain of the host of God. And I know that you will be a man of integrity. You're going to walk with God. Hallelujah. You're going to talk with God. You'll be faithful in my house like you were in your own house and other houses. Oh, hallelujah. And you will reproduce after your own kind. That's the kind I'm looking for. I found me a man. Jeremiah said, run up and down the streets if you can find anybody who is valid for truth. And I'll say we couldn't find anybody. And so David, this really blew me away. Just like Noah gave a blueprint to his three boys. We're going to build an ark, boys. Don't change the size. Don't change dimension. Don't change the material type. Pitch it within and without with everything God asked for, do it God's way. Don't do it the way of Cain. Do it God's way. And don't do it any other way. No matter how unpopular it is, do it right. That's why God called you and entrusted you with the revelation. Because see, nobody ever seen rain before. But I give you a rain spirit in the mind. You have a revelation. Rain is coming. Rain is coming. I want to tell somebody, God give us somebody, He can reveal truth in the end time. Amen. Not everybody crying, Lord, Lord, I'm talking to some kind of charismatic tongue belongs to God. God's people got revelation. God's people got illumination. God's people got inspiration. There are no care. Praise God. Brother, do me a favor, please.
Grandma got in my office there. I got some things on my for my chart. Bring it to me. Praise God. Solomon was one of David's many sons. Put it right there, please. Or in fact, right over there. Solomon was one of David's many sons. Very unknown, not known. Everybody know Absalom. Everybody know Absalom. Everybody know Adonijah. Nobody know Solomon. I want to tell you, friend, the people's choice is not always God's choice. Popularity is not a sign of acceptance by God. In fact, it's a rejection by the Lord. Most time it is. Hallelujah. David is about to die. And who's about to take David's place? God said, David, you're old. You're going off the scenery. Don't do like Joshua did. Don't just leave it to anybody and everybody. Pick you a man. Hallelujah. A man with your seed. And so uh, Absalom rose up and preempted the system and got 50 horses before Hey, man, if it's not lawful, you will not be crowned. You may run, but you won't be crowned. You may build, but it will not be accepted. When we were building that building next door, we didn't have a blueprint at the beginning for one part of the building because I didn't know I needed one beyond what I had. The first blueprint, the first probably gave me to build so far and no further. And I got an idea to build a little, long, a little bigger and a longer wider. And they said, you don't have a permit, sir. You've gone beyond permission. Everybody should know where your permits stop. When you cross that line first, you are crossing the line. Uzziah found that out. He was called to be a king, not to be a priest. And when he stepped in the priesthood, he got killed. Yuza, amen, shouldn't have touched the ark, but he did. It was not his place. He crossed the line and God killed him. God is very concerned about you following order. God loved order. When David numbered the people and he shouldn't have, God slew people for that. I said, hello, my friend. And if you think you're going to get into heaven without order, you're wrong. That's why God put Titus there to set things in order. Some folks don't like church order. but you got to have church order, honey, or there'll be no church. You set in order. The thing which you there, nobody come behind the pulpit except God brought you back here. Nobody do certain things except God authorizes, my friend. Otherwise, you are disordered. I'm a God of order. What I feel like, I feel like, that don't make it right. Hallelujah. I've learned by experience, you don't take what God didn't give you, friend. Praise the Lord. But God said, David, call Solomon. Bring him here. And Solomon says, okay, Dad, what do you want, Daddy? Solomon's a young guy, very young. It's like Samuel, very young. Don't know what to do. And God will tell him later on what to do. He said, now, boy, God gave me this vision for a temple. And I want you to build it because I can't. God says, I'm not supposed to build it. That's not my place. My place is to have the dream, and your job is to finish it. He said, now look at it, boy. I'm going to give you all that you need, because you don't have what it takes to do it. 
And I have all that it needs to do it. I'm going to tell you how to do it, boy. And you're going to follow the instruction. I want you to do just like the man called Joshua did. Joshua, he followed all the instructions that Moses told him. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. I don't care how modern your ideas are. Don't do it. Just like Noah. Philip, like I showed you. Don't argue with me. Just do it. And hush your mouth. Just follow instruction. I don't care what your ideas are. I don't need your ideas. Just do it. Build like I showed you. And don't do anything else. I'll reject it. Hallelujah. Okay, friend. If Elijah had not built that altar in order, the fire would not come. It was out of order to test the ark. It was out of order for Absalom to try to take over the throne when God didn't call him by name. Because God called men by name. Praise God. He did say, Samuel! He didn't say, Up and I! He didn't say, Phineas! The Samuel! This Aaron, he said, Joshua! Hello? Caleb wanting the mountain, that's fine, but Caleb, you can have the priesthood. So Iliad, you're going to have it. Hello? You can't mess with God's design. I mean, Joseph wanted Ephraim not to be the one who wanted to be the king over Israel. God said, No! So he, he put his hand to put his hand on him. And I said, No! And God did this. Cross his hand. Well, I was here first. I don't care if you're the first. You've been the last. This is not about who's your first and who's your last. God chooses who he wants. And God's passing it on. Abraham was not the oldest son of Terah, he was the youngest. Read your Bible. Shem wasn't the oldest. He was the youngest. Sometimes God passed by the elder and chose the younger. <laughs> We're not messing with it either. We God wants it. Hallelujah. Solomon, here it is. Solomon, because they wanted to desire it, to be forced on it. You're going to take my place. You're going to be king. You're going to sit in that throne, and I'm giving you the order to build it like I told you to. Use the material I told you to use. Don't you change the design. You follow the plan. I'm going to make sure you have all the materials you need. And all you have to do is put it together and get those people to listen to you. And don't you let them tell you any difference by the way I told you. Let's worship God. Hallelujah. It says, Solomon, this is not for you. You're not building for yourself. You're building it for God. Don't give me that idea. It's yours. You're just being entrusted. Like one guy said, we're water boys. For your altar boys. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Philip, like I showed you, exceedingly magnificent. You know, sometimes people walk in here and they're eloquent. I mean, they can talk like, you know, greasy <laughs> on a cogwheel. I mean, they smooth. Well, then I mean, God's impressed. I mean, Aaron was eloquent. He was a silver tongue. He could be the politician of America and be the, prime, be the, be the president. But God said, I don't want him. I want babbling Moses. Hallelujah. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking, isn't it? A lot of churches fail because it's the people's choice and not God's man. Hallelujah. Solomon built the temple. And then God tested Solomon. Here's why God chose him. Now, Solomon, come here, boy. In a dream. Hey, the first time I'm going to talk to him. The first time in his life. Because while they was king, God wouldn't talk to him. God does not talk to two mouths at the same time. So if it was, well, God spoke to me, go ahead, you're lying. God never speak to you, nothing. God talked to one head at a time. In a family, God talks to one head at a time. Not two. There's no conscience with God. I come to the close, stay with me. And God said, now, hey, you're king, are you? All right. Oh. Question. You know, I, I took, I took Brother uh, Wilson. <laughs> I was amazed. Some places, I'll show some things. He says, if I was here, I'd do this, 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 this. I said, boy, you talk to a home missionary. He said, then I, then I called That's how men of God talks. They don't see obstacles. They see opportunities to do things for God. I thought, boy, you feel your call. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's where I said, oh, my God, he feels, he's feeling the call. You know, he's, he's in a building that was condemned by the city and everybody else. And he goes in there and to a condemned building and built in a state church. Now he's preaching to the UN. Go to a place where nobody will go. He said, I'll go. And now I run over almost six, seven hundred people. I mean, down people. Amazing. How God. Now, my wife probably forget when I first went to preach with Brother Henson, he wasn't even preaching yet. Remember that, Sadiel? He was just there writing his thesis. I met him there. He was married. God wants Solomon because he followed orders. Solomon did a great job until he stopped listening to his fathers. If you want to know what a father tells a son, read the book of Proverbs. If you want to know what a father tells a son, read the book of Ecclesiastes. And he'll tell you what my father told me. He said, it's a book about what my father taught me. How many realize that? My son, my son, if you're a son, you need to read that book. It's full of wisdom. And the only time he messed up was when he stopped listening to his daddy and his mama. He messed up so bad that he produced a guy called Rehoboam, the most stupidest guy on earth. 
was reborn. I got to close. It's coming to close here. I got to stop. How can the wisest man on earth produce such a dumb son? I could never figure this out. You think wise produce wise, right? But he produced otherwise. Dumb, stupid, nut, nutty, Casey. Israel never recover from the mistake he made. He divided the church. He broke it up. Something that never happened before. He did it. Here's what happened now. Two generations. The old timers. Oh, God. And the newcomers. I have met so many men that could have been great, but they did exactly the Jeroboam context. It's called the Jeroboam effects. Bunch of stupid young men in Pentecost. And I'm not being careful here now. They're just plain stupid. God called them simple men. I have no brain. These old timers, the whole country came to themselves. We have a decision to make. Your father was tripped up on, on the plan of God and went wild. Now we want, now he's gone and you're the king. Would you please tell us Hallelujah, what your promises are? I'm going to run this church. I'm going to do this thing. So he, he right to the this. He said, well, okay, come back tomorrow. I'll talk to you. So he went to the elders, which he should. He's told that. Go to the elders. Well, elders, i got to sit down to make. I don't know what to do. And those folks are pressuring me. What should I do? I'm young. Give some ideas. He said, here's what you do. Serve the people, and they'll serve you. If you don't, they're going to revolt on you. Thank you. Hey, boys, we went to school together. We went to seminary. You know, next to the, the cemetery, right? We went there right together. And we, we, we are, we know Greek and Hebrew, homiletics and uh, exegesis. You know, we can use all this lexicon. We, we're smart now. We got new words and new vocabulary. You know, eschatology and demonology and angiology and all that stuff, right? We got it all about power. What should I do? Well, friend, Bishop Hermeneutics, I think you should do this. Tell them, if you think your father's whip was like my finger, tell them, my whip is going to be like my tie or my up here. I'm going to whip your hide. <laughs> so next day, he went to talk to us. Hello? The people said, well, King, what shall we do? I've seen young men taking a church running 500 and lost everybody in one year. I've seen men, young guys, taking over churches that took 50 years to build and two days they destroyed. Tearing down the walls, tearing down the pillars, removing things that should be touching, re-debating re what was a cell in heaven. Bunch of scoundrels, scallywags, useless, sons of Belial, booing the foundation. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can carry on going, friend. 
They're a bunch of no good sons of Balaz. Well, they are. It takes ten years to build a tree. One day, chop it down. I feel so sorry for Ontario. Looking for a leadership. Look what they chose. Like people, like priests. I know I'm preaching a lot of folks, forgive me. And they said some of those people, and God, I'm so mad. But every church has a Jerry Boehm waiting for the slip up of that mad, stupid boy. Where there's weakness, there is maggots waiting to come on in. Hallelujah. And I mean, this smart kid called Jeroboam said, Boys, did you hear what he said? They kept lies on his weakness and said, Did you see what he did? What hope do we have in Judah? Come follow Ephraim. Before I close, what he did? They broke away ten tribes. Hello? And told the ten tribes, it's too far to go back and worship God the right way. Come here, boys. Come here. White Pentecostal for the future. Come here. Come here, boys. Quick. Stand right here. Stand right here. Face the crowd. Who's missing? Where's Michael? Where's Michael? Get him. He's hiding among the bushes. They have no idea what I want to do. But Jeroboam messed up Israel. He never followed his father. I'm telling you, fathers, no matter how great we are, you're going to have a son that's going to hurt you bad. The sons of Eli messed up his ministry. You know what? He was too emotionally attached to them, but he couldn't tell the son the truth. They're doing wrong. It cost them their lives and his life also. David loved Absalom so much he couldn't reprove him. You know, hanging by his hair in rebellion. And here's David crying, Oh, Absalom, Absalom, I wish I could die for you. No, he's going to kill you, David. He's going to kill his father. The one that brought him in, he wants to kill his own father. There are people that call preacher killers. Even when they were your sons. They're killers or preachers. Someone says Herod was a Christ killer. Every church has an Absalom. They'll come around here sometime. They will, eventually. I mean, we're not ex- exempted. Hey, could be me, could be you, could be one of us. Every church is a Judas. Even they wash your feet, they're going to betray you. Think about it. Think about it. And he couldn't bring himself to accept Absalom had to die, David, otherwise you'd be on the throne. Hello. Now these guys don't know what to do. You know what? If I was playing at the place of God, I need, I need a help here. I need a help. Give me a hand. Give me a hand here. 
Give me that stick, please. Give me that stick. You never know to whom God's going to... We've got 70 years for a generation. By the year 2018, 70 years will be up for this generation. These boys are going to live out that time. And we don't know to whom God may give this rod to, of authority to reign. We never know. A shepherd's rod. You never know who's going to get, amen, a crown to wear. You never know. You never know who will anoint to be a prophet. They don't know. They can't look at each other and compare themselves. And then God may say, okay, I'm going to give the word to each of you. Amen. Get me a Bible somebody. Give me some Bibles here. As they represent my cause. Bible. You see, this church before had a bunch of kids like you guys did. And there's not one living for God. Not even one to carry this message. Not one. I want to tell you, I was just as faithful to them as I'm to you. We had schools. We taught them every morning. Preached to them. I preached to you. And as far as I'm concerned, you can end up the same way. You all end up the same way. I don't know. Hello. And every one of them hated this preacher as a spiritual father. They got in their mind that I was evil. They do. They cursed their fathers. And they cursed the faith that was given to them as a kid. They cursed the religion. They don't want it. They don't want it. I'll never go to that church. Well, it doesn't hurt me personally, but it hurt them spiritually. Because this is the gate to heaven. Hallelujah. You see, this may be the mantle of Elijah. But before you can wear it, honey, you have to be a water boy. Throw water in my hands when I need it. But the farm everywhere I go, otherwise you can't be it. You may want my rod. You have to find me in the wilderness. And put it with all that grumping and carrying on there, friend. Put it with all those fire serpents. You can't desert me. Hallelujah. And you can light the lamp if you want to. Amen. You may find a bunch of faults in me, man. It's say, well, Eli, you're not good. Da, 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 da. You, you, I'm going to steal to my own thing. And up in the ditch, like Saul. You could. I could reign as a king. And you could be an Absalom if you want to. And figure, well, I, I should be king. Why are you king? And said to the people, well, you know what? If I was king, I'd do things differently. Every church have sons. And daughters. The preaching is God handing to them the mantle, the charge. 
Hallelujah. Come here. Thomas. You know, every church is going to have a Timothy. Timothy! Don't be ashamed of me. And my gospel. You know how I live. You know what I believe. You know what I teach. Don't be ashamed of me when you see me. And what you hear about me. But what you've received from me, commit to faithful men. Would be good soldiers also. Who will not let the doctrine down. Would you all stand? But it's not just men. There are also girls in the church. Come here, you. Come here. Hallelujah. You, you can choose to be a Priscilla. Amen. And the guy you marry could be a Prescott. You can marry a good guy who loves the truth and will be a, a helper of the apostle. You could. You could be that if you want to. Marry the right guy or marry the wrong guy and be in hell with Jezebel. Come here, you. Come here. Come here. Hallelujah. You could be a Dorcas. Man, you just, you're so good with those needles. I mean, those girls come in church. They're not dressed properly. And you just be very careful and dress everybody in the church. You're a Dorcas. Then when the day comes when you die, we're going to cry our heads off. And I've got to bring you back. Because you have such a great influence on the church. And the list goes on. And then I look around and say, Oh! Oh, there, there's a, there's a Titus. Come here, Titus. Come here. Come here, Titus. Hey, Titus. Come uh, here, man. Come here, Titus. I, I know I ask you. I know you love me. Remember, I say, go over to Crete for me. I stay with Crete. A bunch of bad folks. But they're liars down there. <laughs> Slow bell, but go there and preach for me. I can't pay you, but go there anyway. <laughs> Will you go there and pay? Okay. And you do what I say? Yeah. I'm not going to be there with you. Okay. But do what I say. Is that all right? Don't teach, I mean, don't teach anything different. Be faithful. And don't forget who your daddy is. Okay? Hello. Hello. And this goes on. On. We have a great day when Jesus Christ comes on the earth. And you'll be rise to meet the Lord. You won't say, well done, thou good successful people. Thou good and faithful. One of these churches, one of these days, Pastor, will not be here. Guarantee that. You know what? You don't know who's going to take my place. I hope to God you survive. Those branch work, I don't know who's going to do what. Men got ideas, but God has got a plan. So we got ideas, got a plan. Moses had to be faithful in his house and the house of others. For God can make him be in other houses. Ooh. Is God talking to anybody tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's any Mary in the house who walked through and break that box on Jesus and said, That's nothing. Give him everything. Anybody here? Is there a John in the house that when everybody forsook Jesus Christ at the cross, at the tomb, never left him? Is there anybody here? Oh. In a Thessalonica is here? In a Thessalonica in this church? Anybody here? 
Any Apollos? Any Apollos? Will you step forward here and Apollos?